0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Total Clarity Podcast, I'm Jesse Hyatt.
1: And I'm Mike Varley, and this is week 18 of our project, and we are in Lower Bay, Brooklyn.
0: We're currently in Manhattan Beach. That's right. And we're walking west. So we're about to walk through Manhattan Beach, through Brighton Beach, through Coney Island. And that's probably what you'll see footage of. But we might splice in some other clips of other areas, too, while we in the edit.
1: Yep, that's right. We have uh, a nice little walk coming up here. We're going to be filming as we walk this week because we have a hope that most of it will be at a volume that is appropriate for the podcast, so we thought it would be nice to be able to combine the two of those things because we don't always get the opportunity to do so. I think this is our third time doing this.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: We've had the Central Park Walk with Chris Sapino, We had the Prospect Park Walk with Ariel Abrahams. and. Now we have this one with no guests. Just us. Just us. Yeah. But this week was really great. We had a lot of fog this week, which yeah. was really interesting. Ring even, the bells. Even a little bit today, kind of hazy, yeah. Not not too much fog, but it is really great to be down by the water when the weather is like that.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. I don't know. It's also mid to late October now, so it might be that it would be kind of empty out here by the beaches at this time of year anyway, but especially with the overcast, foggy, misty weather this week, I think it's not really prime beach weather. Like, we we did actually see a couple people swimming, but There's not really a lot of like fun in the sun activity anymore, but I really like, I think, I don't know why it is exactly that I like the beach at this time of year. Maybe because my family used to go down to North Carolina in October when I was a kid and do the off season thing. So it's a little, there's something nice. I mean, I love the beach and the middle of the summer too when you can go swimming and participate in all the classic beach activities. But there's something nice about being a little bit bundled up and being close to the ocean.
1: Yeah. And as Jesse mentioned at the beginning, this is Manhattan Beach, which is to the right or east East. of Bergen Beach and- Brighton. I'm sorry, yes, Brighton Beach, my mistake. And- (laughs) Yeah, as you can see from all this beachfront out here, I I think this might be a beach that maybe the locals go to, but it's really intriguing. I wanna come back in the summer and see what this situation looks like.
2: Yeah,
0: I'm really curious. I mean, again, it's been pretty empty, but who knows if that's because of the weather, the time of year, or just because it is far out or all those things combined. We'll have to do some investigate investigation
1: yeah year. and as we'll see in a second on the right hand side there's a big uh, playground and a couple of days i've been here when this is the second part of our walk and it's just filled with kids mm-hmm. there were
0: there's a lot of people in there today yeah
1: it's not even it's it's only one o'clock or so there's still a lot of people here but When I was here at around 4.30 yesterday, there were uh, somewhere between like 75 and 100 kids playing, which was really cool. I mean, it, it definitely felt like there was a strong community here and kind of a sense that, you know, the parents obviously must feel comfortable with just letting their kids, you know, come down here and do whatever they want and feel pretty good about the community. And, yeah, that reminded me a lot of what it was like for me growing up. Yeah. Certainly, I didn't grow up in the city, but I did grow up near a beach and there was just a lot of after school coming down and hanging out with kids, so that was nice. Yeah. And as you can see here from the video, too, there's all of these crazy amounts of benches, which...
0: Well, today it does seem like they're actually being used. The other days I mean todays also a Saturday yeah so there might be a little more activity than we've seen during the week but yeah I mean even even a kind of medium chilly Saturday in October it's fairly crowded I can I from this right now what I'm looking at I imagine that the summers probably get pretty packed especially yeah. on the weekends
1: yeah I would definitely imagine so
0: But what a nice setup.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is, yeah, I would say this has definitely been one of my favorite parts of the city so far between this area here, you can see kind of a little bit in the background and we'll pass it in just a minute. There are these nice row houses here that are all individually housed. They're not connected to each other, which is, you know, not always uh, common for houses in the city to yeah. have separation from each other. Not usually. But uh, they have it down here. And then in the Brighton Beach area, which we have to walk through to get here, there's a little footbridge over the Sheepshead Bay, which for some reason, I just really like a lot. I don't know why I really was trying to puzzle it out earlier this week, what it is that I find so enjoyable about it. I, I think it might just be because there really aren't many other wooden footbridges in the city. Yeah. In a, in a place that has so much, uh, so many bridges. To have one that's like so basic as that, with like multiple levels of paint on it, uh, coming off and just very weathered, but quiet and quaint. And once you, once you get out onto the water, it has a really nice vibe there. And yeah, there's something about it that really feels special to me.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm on vacation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Just, yeah, I guess, cause you, and if, I think it, yeah, it feels special because that's not what New York is and most other places. Right. So, and then the, neighborhood getting there and some of the street that we're about to walk on right now, which might be the noisiest part of this podcast, it really is so strongly culturally Russian that, yeah, it just, I I, I love areas of the city that just really have a distinctive sense for what it is, you know, that you can be like, oh yes, I feel very clearly that I am in one type of neighborhood, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I feel like part of me loves it, part of me feels a little conflicted on it because it does create these separations, hmm. but then at the same time, there's not really major separations in the city. like it is really easy to get from one neighborhood to another. We have pretty good transportation system and even walking from neighborhood to neighborhood, there's not like in the suburbs. A lot of times we were just, my uncle joined us this week and we were just talking with him about how neighborhoods are sometimes separated by railroad tracks or bridges or a forest or some, you know, some sort of like big uncrossable. And I think there's a little bit of that here in the city, but not much. So even when a neighborhood is very much a homogenous group, you can still kind of access it. You can come in and out and it's not like separated and isolated as much as maybe in some other places.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm not so keen on areas where you can distinctly tell whether or not an area is very rich or very poor.
0: Yeah.
1: But an area that is of a particular like background culturally... yeah I just... I find it enjoyable to visit because it, I don't know, it just, it just radiates a certain sense of identity.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, one thing I really like about that is going into, like if we go into a deli to get a snack or something and, for example, on this walk, there is, there is a deli that we went into the other day and it was just 100% Russian. So, like, you know, in most neighborhoods, you go into a deli and you're going to find Gatorade and chips and whatever, like, kind bars or something. Whereas, going in there, there was, like, all this bulk food. I didn't really know what it all was. There were packaged foods that were in Russian. Some of them had English on them, too. There were, like, cheeses that were totally different to me. So, that's really fun. I mean, I like that because it, I I assume that those things are things that, you know, people that live around here would just want to have access to all the time. And then for me, it's like, it almost feels like we're going to Russia for a
2: moment.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely feel like I can't take full advantage of the neighborhood experience presently. I feel like I need somebody to help me to understand like what the delicacies are and yeah, what looks better and what looks worse. So that may have to come at another time, but I, yeah, I just really like that. It's there and part of the fabric of the city and yeah, a part of a a place where I live, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, It is. the more we talk about it, I guess the thing I like the most is that it's not, it's not sort of like forcing people, even though it might be a little isolated in a way and sort of separated, it's not, or New York is not forcing people to become quote unquote Americanized and the culture of wherever people are coming from is able to stay and people appreciate it. And there's, I guess just probably enough people from all different places that they're able to like keep these businesses and keep the language and keep the food and the traditions and whatnot. And then there's people that are not from those places but are like interested in trying it and open to, different cultures and learning about at least like learning about the food you know at the very least Yeah.
1: so that's been one of the many new neighborhoods we've visited this week some of the other areas in the lower bay section we've touched on over the past two weeks between the uh, lower and some upper Bay walk we did last week and a little bit of the Olmstead and Vox walk we did the week prior. There has been some, some overlaps, Mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's yeah, been nice to see some new areas. Another area that we saw that was new for us this week was the Midwood area that was on the walk down to the water. And that was, there's a a large Hasidic population again, which is definitely been a dominant theme for me in so far as I knew that there was a large Hasidic population in Brooklyn and i knew that it existed all over brooklyn but there's something about seeing in person how many neighborhoods the hasidic communities take up in the city that really makes it more apparent to me what a what a flourishing community it is within the borough
0: yeah yeah i would agree with that i mean i i i guess the thing i would disagree with is that i knew or I just have a different experience with is that I knew that there was a pretty large Hasidic community in Brooklyn. I did not realize that it was kind of all over the borough. I thought it, I usually think of like Williamsburg and Crown Heights along Eastern Parkway as being where the biggest groups of Hasidic people live. And then, yeah, as we've been walking around, we've found, many neighborhoods where there's uh, a pretty large Hasidic population. Yeah. Which is interesting to see.
1: And with Sukkot being this month, we happen to see a lot of people that were outside. But also, I think, you know, just walking is a big part culturally of of life, It's it would seem. Uh, it just, feels like there's end up finding a lot of people particularly like on the Fridays you know being out yeah and today is a Saturday we've done a Tuesday through Saturday walk and
0: we didn't see as many people out today but um, the people we did see are wearing nice shawls yeah and yeah I mean it's it's, that's that's an interesting thing because because I don't fully know all the rules and especially when it comes to dress. But I have an awareness of it and know some of the, you know, know about some of the rules and also realize that each community kind of has their own rules. Yep. So, but it is, it's fun to sort of walk through your neighborhood and see like, oh, okay, well today everyone's wearing this particular hat or, oh, today everyone's wearing this particular shawl or this particular type of jacket it looks like or you know during Sukkot there was one day when all the young men seemed to be carrying towels right uh, like like terry cloth towels mm-hmm. um, and I, i'm not really sure like why i sometimes i'll google what's the significance of this but i don't know there's something kind of it, it feels like we're a fly on the wall of some particular traditions. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of fun to witness that. Yeah. Even though, even if I don't know what it means.
1: Totally. So, so again, Midwood uh, was a lot like that. Also, Borough Park was a lot like that. And there is a part of our route where we're walking on 18th Avenue. And there's a transition from this, I don't know if it's Borough Park or Mapleton, at the point that this transition occurs, but there's a transition into Bensonhurst, Mm -hmm. and this transition hits, and then all of a sudden, very Italian. Right. And it, it was, it's it's very interesting because, you know, more so than I think most other communities I can think of in the city, it's very apparent once you've walked into a Hasidic community because the dress is all very uniform. There are other cultures that also dress somewhat uniform but not to that degree. Yeah. And then sometimes it, it, can, it can be like you don't know that the neighborhood has ended until all of a sudden there's another thing that happened. In this particular transition it was, it was uh, Hasidic folks and then all of a sudden just like Italians arguing in front of a cafe. Like it really <laughs> just came very abruptly. And then there was for, I don't know, 10, 12 blocks along 18th Avenue, uh, different like soccer stores and cafes and Italian record stores and things like that. So that was a, a fun little experience to have while walking along. Yeah. And that, yeah, that was the, that was the Bensonhurst side. We were only in there for a little bit this, this particular walk. I think we'll have more experiences with it uh, later in the year, but that was also a new neighborhood for the first time for us this time. Uh, Let's see, we had uh, Seagate was another neighborhood Mm -hmm. which Which is
0: another closed neighborhood. That's right. But this one's actually gated, I guess hence the name. Yes. But (laughs) as opposed to Breezy Point which called itself Uh, a gated community without gates or something right Seagate actually has gates yes and um, yeah I haven't been able to get in there yet maybe we'll try again later today Uh, Mike you went in there
1: that's right first
0: day when I was not with you
1: the first day which again we did a Tuesday through Saturday this week in order to give ourselves a three-day weekend prior to this I went the first day just by myself on Tuesday there's a lighthouse inside the community of Seagate, which I didn't know anything about, but I wanted to see. Yeah. And there are two entrances to Seagate. One is a car entrance, and one of them is a pedestrian entrance. I passed the car entrance and immediately thought, "Uh uh-oh, this doesn't look good. And then I walked down a few streets to the pedestrian entrance, and I went up to the security guard and I said I I have a question and he goes I have an answer (laughs) and I said well I hope so I'm uh, looking to see if maybe I could go in to see the lighthouse and he said no the lighthouse is uh, is private you you can't go in and see it but are are you just going to, to, to look around and I said yes and then he gestured with his hand for me to go in (laughs) which is to say he didn't say I could go in.
0: He He just pointed at the gate, right? He just
1: pointed at the gate and made a motion, which to me, I think was in case I did anything wrong, he could claim that he didn't actually say I could go in. Right. (laughs) But I respected and appreciated the fact that he let me go in. And so I walked down there. It, It was not a particularly impressive lighthouse. The most interesting thing about it was that it actually exists between two different houses. Right. So it's, it's been there since the 1890s. And uh, it's kind of like one of those scaffolding type lighthouses where there's not a big structure. It's mostly just about the light. But I took some pictures. And, I, you know, I was a, was a little upset in some ways that Jesse hadn't been there and that uh, you know, she couldn't be with me. But at the same time, I didn't know if I was going to get another opportunity
2: yeah, yeah, to go yeah. see it.
1: So you take it when you get it. Well, and now, yeah. yeah. So now we've tried to go on two separate occasions with two separate security guards and both of them have denied us access. Yeah,
0: so. but we also haven't, I mean, on, well, the first day we didn't try. The first day I was back with you, we didn't try because you were wearing your camo jumpsuit and we felt like we weren't gonna be allowed access while you're wearing a camo jumpsuit. Yeah. So then the next day we tried when we were with my uncle and I didn't like really wanna push it because we were also just like walking with my uncle and having a nice time. And I didn't wanna like get into some sort of fight with a security guard over seeing a lighthouse that I don't really need to see. But now I'm like, so I just asked, hey, can we go see the lighthouse? He said, no, it's private. I said, okay, and we left. But I feel like now I don't know which method the gate, like there were people going into the gate without talking to security, which makes me feel like we could potentially just go in through the gate and not talk to security. But if we do that and they stop us, then we're really then we're like, already on our heels, Right. whereas if we go in and we try to say, oh, we really want to see this lighthouse, maybe they'll let us in. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, we'll see at the conclusion of this podcast. So you might have to ask us personally if we ended up making it in or not. (laughs) I don't know if it'll be in next week's podcast, but I do not think that going in there with cameras and microphones is really going to ensure that we gain access.
0: I don't think that's going to work. I did look it up because I was trying to see if it was a, if it was a public space, the lighthouse itself. And it looks like the family that ran the lighthouse, like the light keepers, or is that what they're called? Sure. Um, they used to give tours. Yeah. And they, they had it for like almost a hundred years or something. And now they don't live in New York anymore. They moved out, and I think it's said that they sold it to the Coast Guard. So it's not, they don't have any reason to let people
2: yeah. in there. Yeah.
0: They don't have, to, you know, there's no legality there. Yeah. There's no reason that they have to. Yeah. But, um, but the people that used to own it seem like they still want to be involved. Like, they, they were like... Unfortunately, we don't live there anymore, so we can't let people in, but contact us and we'll tell you all about it. (laughs) yeah, so that was, that's sweet to see.
1: Yeah, as far as the neighborhood itself from what I gathered by walking in there, it was much more diverse racially and economically than what Breezy Point was. It seemed to be a lot more of an accessible neighborhood. It just had a gate for some reason which, you know, isn't something that Jesse and I find an ideal living situation, but I guess for some people that's something that they like. I mean,
0: yeah, I don't find it appealing. I wouldn't want to be in that myself, Uh, but I also, there's something about there's just a gate and it's very clear that there's a gate and it's very clear that there's security that I don't feel offended in the same way that I did at Breezy Point.
2: Uh-huh.
0: At Breezy Point, it felt like they almost, like, wanted you to go in so that they could treat you like shit. Whereas here, it's like, no, they don't want you to go in. And then if you do make it in, then it's fine. And then you're just on your own. Yeah. They're not going to, like, be carting around looking for you to pull you over.
1: Yeah. Well, it's unclear if there, I didn't see any extra security force driving around the neighborhoods like we did when we were in Breezy Point, but yes, it did, it did feel a lot more like entrapment or something in a way over there, which it it didn't at Seagate. It just seemed like there were guards stationed at the front and that's it, you know, once you get in that's the the entirety of it right so
0: yeah i'm curious as we i mean i guess we'll find out this is only the second community that we found that's like that in new york and i'm curious how many there are it does seem like just in general it's kind of a strange place to have a gated community just after especially what we just talked about how it's so accessible. It's so easy to get from one neighborhood to another. There's sort of like borders that are just like natural borders based on like the languages that people are speaking or the type of food that's sold in the deli or the people standing on the corners, like what their vibe is. And like, you know, like just like the way that they're speaking to each other or whatever it is, you sort of like traverse through the different neighborhoods and you like know where you are as you go. So it seems so unnecessary to have these gates. It's like I don't know. And like on I don't know. I just I don't. It's not how I would want to live. Yeah.
2: Wow,
0: yeah. this is crowded today.
1: Yeah. For those that are listening, we have left Manhattan Beach quite a bit ago and have gone back onto the boardwalk, which down in this part of Brooklyn extends from new brighton all the way out till the exit of seagate which we were just talking about so this includes all of coney island which we'll be getting to and right now you may have even heard from the background din that this is a pretty heavy russian area Um, and and we're
0: walking by two restaurants right now that have seating on the boardwalk there's a pomeranian puppy sitting at one of the tables The highlight but yeah it's packed uh yeah we were speculating I mean, packed in like a way that's totally seems acceptable for covid still don't worry
1: yeah But uh, we were speculating yesterday whether or not it was going to be crowded today as it's a saturday but it's covid and which which way was it going to flip yeah but ultimately it seems like it's pretty crowded down here yeah we'll see what it's like when we get to the Amusement park. The closed yeah, we'll amusement see. park section.
0: Well those restaurants were empty every day this week.
1: Yeah, every day we were Maybe here. Maybe there week, was yeah. I
0: mean the tables were out. There might have been one person eating or something at, at some point, but I it definitely wasn't full like it is right now.
1: Yeah. Well it was a weekday and with the fog yeah. not necessarily the most encouraging place to eat. Kind of a nice place to visit but not so great to eat. Yeah. So but this area, I'd never really been down to this part mm. prior to doing the walk this week. I've, I've been to kind of the more inland areas where all the shops are before uh, under the elevated train, but I've never been out here. And typically when we go to the beach, we were talking to our friend Sophia about this this week, spoke to her on the phone. Hello, Sophia, if you're listening, mm-hmm. we were saying how the Rockaways were and really still are the place where we think about going when we think about going to the beach. But as you can see from here, and you'll see for the next little bit, there is a substantial amount of beachfront Yeah. that you could go to.
0: I mean, I used to come to the beach here. You're speaking for yourself. Yes. I have been to Brighton Beach. I have I used to bartend and one of my co-workers was a friend of mine and she was from Russia and she brought me down here to go specifically to one of the Russian restaurants and that was great because she could order for us and you know felt like we were in like I wasn't just a tourist even though I don't speak Russian I, I can kind of pass I'm Polish. <laughs> as long as I keep my mouth shut, um, and I think I, you know, I had come down to Coney Island a handful of times, but I had this idea that, like the beach itself, I think after a few years of living in New York, I also transitioned to going to the Rockaways if I wanted to go swimming. Mm-hmm. I would still come to Coney Island. Just to go to the boardwalk and sort of like see the beach. Yeah. But that would be less about like the sand. I always just felt like it was more crowded. Yeah. And like there was more kind of like trash. Yeah. Ultimately. Mm. But I, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true or if that was just what the story was from people. Right. I think also Coney Island's accessible by train yeah and while the rockaways are too it's a longer train ride it's like you have to get off and get back on and if you want to go to the more secluded areas you have to drive yeah so there was something about i think the first time getting in a car and going out to fort tilden i definitely felt like i was like better Mm -hmm. like it's i i feel there's a little bit of like a Yeah, like the Coney Island almost feels like the obvious choice. And then the Rockaways are like if you're in the know or something.
1: Interesting. And I
0: don't know, that is totally just me like thinking about it right now. I don't think I've ever even thought about it before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for me. So I'm
0: curious what other people feel. I mean, I know going to the beach in New York, even like, if you talk to a non-New Yorker, even sometimes if you talk to a New Yorker, especially people that maybe live in the city or something, like people don't know that you can even go to the beach. They don't even know that's an option for the summer. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm curious if other people feel any of those things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) For me, there's something about the Rockaway area that feels more like the quintessential ocean beach experience. Mm. And of course, that's informed by my personal experience of growing up on Long Island. But yeah, there's just something about it. And I I don't really, I think maybe because you have to go over one of the bridges and then the land area that is associated with it is a much thinner section. And... You really can only be there for an explicit purpose. And yeah, I also I, I think that certainly looking out at this beach from now, there's nothing about it that suggests it's really uh, not a beach. I mean it no, certainly it looks is. it's great, yeah. I think that it it almost feels like it belongs more to the people that live down here rather mm. than having an influx of people. Yeah. And well
0: I think the There's something about the Rockaways could totally feel that way too, but the Rockaways have also been like gentrified, Mm. you know, there's like Caracas and Rippers and Rockaway Taco and that fancy hotel that has parties or had parties and, you know, it's very much like there's a, there's a bus that goes from Williamsburg to the Rockaways daily or, or like on the weekends. It's just, it feels very much like, I think this thing that I'm working out in my head right now, like the beach equals the Rockaways is like to the 20 and 30 year olds that live in Williamsburg or Bushwick or one of the gentrified neighborhoods and our transplants. Of course, the beach is the Rockaways because that's where like the attractive young gentrifiers go maybe and that's where you can have your like social time and be that's what is the accepted way to do it
1: maybe i don't know
0: i'm kind of putting a lot of emotions onto this right now yeah (laughs) which is what i I, maybe what i do
1: yeah i mean also that (laughs) there is a stronger association with the coney island area which we're approaching now for the amusement park you know so you might not even really think that that's a thing that you could do, you know? Like right. it, it just, just the order of associations might, might somehow bump it down a level in terms of that.
0: Yeah, you think of, I guess I usually think of Coney Island as... And honestly, maybe part of the reason it hasn't become sort of beach gentrified so much is because it is, like, classic. Yeah. You go to the amusement park, you go to shoot the freak,
2: You do the (laughs) the
0: boardwalk thing, you do the mermaid parade. Shoot the freak. That's what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) There's still, and there's uh, a whole community too, around the like circus sideshow sort of performance thing that happens down here. Yeah. Which seems like it's pretty rooted in its original tradition or history and isn't isn't really going to change too much. Yeah. Which I think is cool. I mean, that's definitely and I think it kind of keeps it like maybe some tourists come out here because it's a classic place, but it's also pretty far to get out to. Yeah. And then, yeah, it keeps it like more for the locals, too. Yeah.
1: Well, there's the Coney Island Cyclones as well, and there's the Aquarium, which for a long time was out of commission. I think it's finally opened again. And, you know, I think that will start being an attraction again soon. Right. And definitely shouldn't forget for people that might be listening and saying this at us, we can't hear you, but (laughs) I'm thinking that maybe you're talking about the surf as well, because the surf out in the Rockaway is, I believe is, well, it's surfable and I don't believe it is here so that's definitely... I don't know
0: if it's surfable here or not, but it's definitely... Looks like today's
1: got some good waves, but I I don't think it's the same. Like out in the Rockaways, it's... I think it's more significant. Yeah. So there's that as well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I also think it's more expansive out in the Rockaways, so if you are going out to go to the beach, there's just like... it's a little longer of a stretch. You have like hundreds of blocks to choose from, whereas here it might be 50 or so.
1: Yeah, but ultimately i think it's worth calling out something that's been called out in the previous podcasts for our own memory is just a, these walks are such a pleasant reminder for me of how much this city is a water city yeah and it's always been that way and i think maybe over the past uh, hundred years you could say maybe it, de- it declined in importance or maybe sometime between Maybe the 40s and the 80s, or something like that. Maybe even narrower. From you know, just totally speculating here. But as (laughs) the shipping industry went down, during
0: the war it was still.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm cutting it off maybe around World War II or something. But there was some period of time where it became less important, and now there's some sort of metamorphosis that's occurring where it's it's not like shipping is going up in importance again. It's that these areas are being repurposed and made into places that attract people again to come to and hopefully we continue to do it in a way that's smart and not you know making it somehow exclusive and yeah just make it an experience that everybody that's accessible to everybody and and can fill an important human health uh, niche in the same way that green spaces like Central Park do. Right. You know, reconnecting to the fact that despite all these tall buildings everywhere constantly, that there's also this natural part that is going to outlast all of that. Right. Particularly, as I mentioned earlier, with the, the fog this week. Three days of fog, maybe maybe four days of fog, really, if you include the, this one, I yeah. would uh, recommend we have another one of our usual 360 videos, the 10-minute marathon videos. We were able to get down here before the fog left which was even it was like almost two o'clock it was still yeah. out here and it was really cool to see the amusement park <laughs> draped in fog
0: yeah basically to not see the amusement park yeah until you got really close to it yeah. that was really cool and we went out on the pier and could barely see i mean now i can see the land that land over there yeah. I couldn't see it at all. I knew it was, I kept saying, I know there's something over there.
1: I believe that's Breezy Point. If I'm judging it yeah, correctly. Yeah, that's the Gil Hodges. The, the Gil Hodges. And
0: then, yeah, must be.
1: But yeah, there was just something magical about it to have everything obscured, knowing that there was area all around us, but having the your vision reduced to such a degree, but still having the expansiveness of the water there as well. There's this really nice interplay.
0: Yeah. It almost makes you feel like an explorer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And that's something that's been really great too. Going through the city now, there were, you know, there's always a sense that you, you know, you take the train over a bridge or something and you, you see a wide swath of the land. Right. Or any time in particular you get a, a vista of the city and are able to see large chunks. You know, you have a general familiarity of, of areas the longer that you're here. But as we're doing this walk, it really feels like we're in an open world video game. And <laughs> I'm seeing areas like if we turn around now, and we look back the way we came, you can see the Gil Hodges Bridge. Yeah. And the Gil Hodges Bridge was a bridge that we went on, I think, weeks three and four, or maybe just weeks three. Uh,
0: I think, it, uh, I was going to say week two, but week whatever two. it was, yeah. In
1: July, we went on that was bridge. early. Very early. And, you know, it looks so far away, but I know I've been there, you know? Yeah. And that's...
0: And we know what it is, too. I mean, we yeah. walked over it multiple times in a row.
1: Yeah. And I way- did not
0: enjoy walking over it.
1: Right. It was
0: I remember that. Yeah. I'll never forget. Yeah. It has a really interesting shape to it. And yeah. even in that walk we would walk over the gill Hodges and then we'd walk back over the Cross Bay, which is probably equidistant away from it as far as we are right now. Yeah. And you could spot it in the distance. So there's always this like you're like creating new reference points. Whereas yeah. Yeah, before, I mean, I kind of have basic geographic skills or knowledge the longer I've been here and the more reference points I get. But yeah, like you said, as we're walking through and walking through so many different neighborhoods and especially, yeah, when you kind of can see a landmark from far away that places you.
1: Yeah, and to be able to walk on those landmarks or by those landmarks and get an understanding of distance from the landmarks on any given week you know right we can you know we're walking towards this you know i should know the name of this structure i don't right now oh this tall yes. ride? the i don't yeah, even know if it's a I ride to be perfectly called. honest the basically the coney island space needle and if i'm offending anybody i'm sorry is it I'm not sorry. the
0: thunderbolt
1: no, no, no. The no. Thunderbolt right The next Thunderbolt to it? is the ride. Yeah. No, that thing that's behind it that lights up. I'm not quite sure exactly what it is or if it's a ride or if it's just made there as an attraction. Oh. Nevertheless, we have now approached that a number of different times and just to get a sense of how long it takes to get there from different visual distances. Yeah. It it's like to just seeing the Gil Hodges Bridge. I, I kind of have an idea of how long it would take to get there just by visually looking at it in the distance. And there's, yeah, there's something really cool about being able to familiarize yourself with all these New York City landmarks in such a way. And it, yeah, it really is the mo- most prominent in an area like going over the Williamsburg Bridge on a train or something. And you see so much, you can see three different boroughs just that way, and and you can, again, like a video game, understand how long it would take to get there with no other means than your feet, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is a nice new power.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Although at the same time, I feel like my idea of how far away something is, is we are getting like the true experience. but the idea of like, oh, yeah, that's not that far away is not, that doesn't mean anything now. Yeah, (laughs) like, because honestly, like, we're here at Coney Island now. And when we turn to go back home, it's like the homeward stretch. So it feels like it's not that far away. But I think it's like 12 miles.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is it's crazy. That's the the inverse and almost like it's like you have you get a superpower, but then you get like this weakness as a consequence where it's like you're conception of what is normal or acceptable becomes completely unrealistic to whatever the norm is. Yeah. Well,
0: it also depends on what you're applying it to. So when all we're doing in one day is walking, if it's like two o'clock and we're on our way home from Coney Island, it feels like, oh yeah, it's a good day. We're on our way home. We'll get home in a reasonable time. It's not that far away. Whereas if we were, trying to meet people out at Coney Island sometime next summer. And we had to be there at 1030 in the morning to have a full beach day. I don't know if I would decide to walk. Right. Maybe. Right. Because it's not that far. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But it like, you know, then it's like, well, it is far enough that I'd have to leave at six in the morning or something.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So it's all just depending on what you're, what else you need to do, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, that's something I've been thinking a lot about this week, is the concept of time and how time has been changing based on this project. Yeah. And one of the conclusions that I came to is that I don't think I will have answers while we're working on this project as far as like definitively what this whole distortion means to me, yeah. but I'm striving to collect moments and jot down notes and see how many of these impressions I can render on paper or during this podcast, how many of them I can collect as possible to then reflect on after the fact. But there, the thing in particular I was thinking about on this given week is the idea of making time Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like a classic road trip thing of wanting to do the best you can as far as getting from point A to point B Mm -hmm. and there's this concept of making time versus wasting time Mm -hmm. you know and also you know the idea of being able to get home and have that be you know to have as much time as possible when you get home before you have to go to sleep is is that a noble goal to strive for or is that <laughs> not you know like right. should you enjoy the time you have here should we sit down here for 5 minutes and just watch the beach you know i think most people would say yes yeah, stop and smell the roses that's a phrase right you know right. like you should you should do that, but <laughs> I... If you
0: can. If you can. If you have the ability to smell the right. roses.
1: But I, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong either with like striving to do the most efficient job as possible with walking, you no. know?
0: Well, and it all depends, I think on, again, the context, like, do we want to do it as fast as possible because we just want to know what the fastest time we can walk is. Cause that's kind of interesting. We've had a couple days where we've walked sub 9.5 hours and that feels cool. And I'd love to walk sub nine one day just to like, feel like we've done it. It's that old track star within me that wants to cut the time, you know, Right. <laughs> shave the seconds. And like, that's all about that perspective is just, I want to see what my body can do and time is a constant right. and it doesn't change right. the way it measures. So I can always judge and compare with myself based on what I've done within that, that metric. Right. But then if you're talking about, I just want to get home so that I have time before I go to bed. It's like, well, why? Like, what are you doing? Maybe there's something you need to do is it because i like to rest and shower and i'd like to cook dinner but i don't want to have to do it as soon as i get home and you know yeah. those are pretty reasonable yeah is it because i just want to be able to like zone out and look at my phone and watch tv yeah uh, like maybe if that's the reason maybe i do need that like recalibration time but maybe that could happen on the beach here and then I wouldn't need that zone out time at home.
1: Right, but then does, when you get home, if you only have a half hour before you can go to sleep, does that erase whatever, you know, mental relief you got from hanging out on the beach, you know?
0: Yeah, I guess it's, uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think in some ways it does for me because I, I, I get home and it's like, oh man, why did I choose to just sit around down there now? now I just immediately, I, I feel like a pressure to do basic sleeping activity, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. Well, I think a half hour before you have to go to sleep is pretty extreme. Yeah. Like, I don't like that.
1: Well, we haven't-
0: But that's not the same as like, like what if the difference is three hours versus three and a half hours, and that extra half hour is just either checking out a park that I've not seen before or sit, taking a little break because I'm feeling like my feet want a little break and I want to look at the water or, you know, yeah. watching something funny that's happening in real life versus like just an extra half hour to like sit in our living room. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would probably choose the half hour of enjoyment in out in the world. Yeah. But, you know, that's like as long as I can do all the stuff that I need to do to feel comfortable as a living human.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, but also another thing about this is, you know, there are a lot of professions where you can choose to not, uh, you know, you you can be at work if you have a desk job or many jobs where you can just have like 15 minutes to, to just relax. You're on your phone or you're doing, you're doing anything that isn't your job, right. a cigarette break. You know what time it's going to end. Most, most of the days, you're still going to leave at around the same time. Also, when we leave the house, there's no commuting. No. There's no period of time where you're getting to whatever it is that you're doing. As soon as we leave the house, we are on the clock, so right. to speak. So I think it's pretty unique in that way. And it, I mean, it's unique in ways where it, it's fulfilling to me in that it allows me to take some guilty conscience or burden off the idea that if I'm not, like if I'm working at a job where I can slack off without there being consequences, it makes me feel not great about the job or myself because mm-hmm. I'm not operating at the full capacity that I can. I'm learning a little bit more about myself when doing this because I don't feel that same level of not, you know, that I'm slacking or something if I use my phone for 10 minutes and sit down because I know I'm still walking a marathon a day.
0: Yeah. Like I'm
1: clearing that bar. Well, I
0: think, yeah, like what you're saying about, I mean, I've also never really had a job where I'm just like there for a set amount of time. I've always had jobs where I have tasks to do or I've worked for myself where it's like, I have to get a project done. So any sort of like quote unquote slack off time is really just like on me because then I'm gonna pick up where I left off and I need to finish the task. But I do think that this is the thing that needs to be done each day is very clear. Yeah. Like you need to accumulate the miles on the pedometer, take the picture of that as the proof to ourselves. Yes. And then you've done it and then you've done your job for the day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if you want to sit down and take a break, then you can, it doesn't, you not, you don't have the same level of like, Ooh, I'm gonna, I don't know for me when I sit down and take a break and just kind of like, bring my focus to something else. Like if I'm at my studio, for example, uh, I have an issue with getting myself refocused sometimes. Like that's where a lot of my fear on that comes from is that like if I allow myself 10 minutes to just sort of do whatever like zoning thing, like going on the Instagram or whatever it is, then there's the, concern that I'll just get distracted and it doesn't end up being 10 minutes. It ends up being like a longer period of time and I get kind of tired and I need a certain level of energy to actually do the work I do. Whereas with this, like if you get kind of tired, then you walk a little slower, but then you get your energy back because it's physical and you can kind of be using your brain muscle and your Thinking abilities as much or as little as you want. The only thing you really have to use is your legs mm-hmm. and like the organs that help you live.
2: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's kind
0: of just like picks itself back up, I find.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So those are some spur-of-the-moment thoughts I have with respect to <laughs> time. I do think it's one of the most interesting aspects of what we're doing. Yeah. To just have these well, these time like, just whole days be blocks. Yeah. In this way.
0: I guess one more thing about that, though, I think, because, yeah, the perspective, I mean, we are usually on a day of walking, we are walking between, nine and 12 hours and i think a lot of times i've noticed when people ask oh how long does that take and you tell them they're shocked by that that you would spend the whole you know it's the whole day yeah but i don't know i guess maybe it's just because it's walking and because it is one very obviously physical thing but if you say, oh yeah, I had an eight hour shift at the restaurant, Mm -hmm. you're on your feet for eight hours. Yeah. And like, you also have to get there and get back. So it's not like it's any, it's not really any longer of a day. Yeah. Or, and most people work eight, like a nine to five is an eight hour day.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it, it definitely has started feeling like that, but it. I think that the difference is that with respect to a service job, and that is, I've, I've been feeling a lot of the parallels, as you're mentioning, mm-hmm. that as far as what it's taking on our, the toll it's taking on our bodies physically, it has become like that, where our body has normalized to this activity. So I think that's a strong comparison.
0: Yeah. I think this, for me at least, Yeah. uh, having had worked in restaurants a lot, the, I do feel more tired now Mm -hmm. than at the end of a restaurant shift. Yeah. And like, that's nothing that's not to say that like being on your feet all day, it's real, but, but the like something about the constant moving forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas I guess like in the restaurants, it was a lot of like quick snaps yeah. over and around and standing still and.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about a degree of, uh, or I'm talking, I guess what I'm talking about is in terms of the severity of pain and sensation that i'm feeling yeah it's almost like a regular aches and pains service job situation yeah i mm. guess
0: i just disagree with that Here. i don't i never felt like at the end of a long waitressing shift that i'd have to like stretch or else i'd feel sore the next day <laughs> and i do feel that now yeah. if i don't stretch at the end of the day and in the morning and even if i do stretch i wake up and i my like legs don't bend right away sure and I'm not, it's like, yeah, I was a little younger when I was waitressing, but yeah. I'm not old.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'm just, uh, I mean, I feel the same way. And I guess I wouldn't feel that same way if working other physical jobs. But I don't know. Yeah. It isn't, like, the first eight weeks, there was acute pain. yes, yes, yes. yes There's yes. not acute pain anymore. No,
0: it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely, like, just feels a little sore. Like, yeah. I feel like we were, I feel more like, Oh, we went to a, we went on a workout or something. Yeah. Or like I went on a big hike, which is basically what we've done Yeah. as opposed to, yeah, the first few weeks was like, I don't know what it, I don't even know what you could, Yeah. what could be equivalent to what that pain was.
1: But the, as far as circling back to the time question, I think the perhaps the difference in how I feel about time doing this versus how I might feel in a similar job that might take up a similar amount of time, particularly service jobs, is that the onus is exclusively on us for how the time passes. You know, if you are serving a table, depending on you know, how much the table is enjoying being there, you might be there longer, because they are want another bottle of wine, or they right. just, you know, they want to continue to enjoy themselves. So there is, while there is like this this expectation, even whatever clothing, closing time is or whatnot, it's that even that closing time is not set by you, it's right. set by the manager or the owner. So yeah. there are all sorts of things that there is this extra tier of dictation for how your time is going to end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess even like, even comparing this to this, my other work, which is, I own it. And, you know, I am my own boss. So I don't have anyone telling me when to show up but the amount of work that i have at any given point still dictates like how long my days need to be and how quick i need to be moving and it's like on me to make that schedule and make it work and i can always hire more people you know if i want to go slower or something or give myself more time to do other stuff i can hire more people but yeah it's I guess this particular project that you and i are doing is also fully set in that way where the the activity that we're doing is chosen by us yeah and we've given ourselves the goal and then the way we complete that is up to us too yeah yeah that's pretty nice
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's certainly different and like i said uh it's something that is can't be fully unpacked until I think we're done what all of these things mean because I mean they're
0: also like existential questions so yeah yeah I don't know if they'll ever be fully
1: unpacked maybe not but I think there'll be more there'll be more perspective when we're done I know that there are just there also are just days where it's like okay you just got to keep walking you know right it's not like I don't think I ever get to a point where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore, but it's more just like, well, you don't really have an option, so you have to just keep going. And I don't know, that's when the questions of, you know, should I relax or keep going? What's wasteful, what's not? They, it's hard to have those, it's hard to, I guess, think that you could come up with some sort of definitive theory on what all of this means when you still have to contend with the day-to-day of this has to f- be completed no matter what, you know? Mm. I mean, not not necessarily no matter what, but no. you know, basically like if we want to complete this, uh, so, like the, the philosophy on how to spend that time might be... Uh, compromised at any given point uh, with respect to the primary objective, which is finish. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense.
1: Because sometimes it's like, oh, I just really like to sit right now. I'm not really like into doing this right now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I could, but like then I'm probably just gonna feel worse. After a half hour of sitting and doing nothing, Mm -hmm. I'm probably just gonna be like, great, well, now I feel the same thing that I felt a half hour ago, but now I'm gonna be out here a half hour longer. It's-
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some days where I'm like, I don't wanna walk today. Like last week, there were two days that it was raining all day and the rain is cold now. Yeah. We got rained on in the summer and it was warm rain and it would get very wet, but it was like, fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And then last week we got rained on twice and full days of rain. It didn't let up at all. And you know what? It's not pleasant. I didn't like it. That's it. I'm going to just be blunt about it. I did not enjoy those days.
1: Well, we but like, also were not I did prepared. by the
0: end of the day. Yeah. I think, but like I was fighting it. I could feel myself fighting it from basically as soon as my shoes got wet, which was probably about three or four hours in each day. Until probably around 2.30 or 3, when I finally was just like, okay, I'm like so tired of fighting with myself. I'm doing this. This is like what I've chosen to do, and I need to get over it. Yeah. And that's so hard. I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's hard to do, but it's also a really good lesson and feel like it applies to so many other aspects of life especially right now when the world is like imploding and (laughs) it it feels like that, you know, it can often, if you look at the news, it feels like, oh my God, every corner of the world, there's something crazy going on and it directly affects me. But yeah, in reality, you directly affect yourself Mm -hmm. and like you, you have the capability to change it. It's just really hard to get there sometimes.
1: Yeah. Well, we have a ways to go as far as our, Rain gear situation. Yeah. It turns out. On the... I
0: was talking about like inner speak, but yes. Yes. We also do have the ability to change the rain gear.
1: <laughs> yes. Which Sorry, I didn't mean to ignore what have you were to. saying. I just thought I agree with everything that you said. We exist in a society where we alone can impact how our perspective is on things.
0: Yeah, but we can also use rain gear to impact our perspective when it's raining. Yes. Yeah, it's weird, the rain gear we have, we got from like a real construct, they make like construction worker rain gear. So we expected it to work really well. And I don't know, we've also haven't transitioned. I think we're still using the lightest ones. We got a few different jackets And I think we're using the lightest jacket and the lightest pant right now. So I don't know, there might be some that are thicker that'll work better, but yeah, over, by like halfway through the day, it feels like the water starts to come through the material.
1: I would say even earlier than that for me, I think it really, well, it depends, I think, on what material you're wearing underneath. Oh. This is all speculation. We need to contact the uh, people that made the coats. Yeah we need to do it soon because in the summer, it was not an issue. We did get soaked in the summer because we walked through two tropical storms. Right. But it was warm enough that it it didn't really matter and you're just wet and that's fine. Now, the days that it rained last week, the two days it rained, it was in the mid fifties or so. Yeah. And although that's still pretty warm, it was cool enough that when your body is completely wet, it creates some real problems. And we were, by the end of the day, unable to operate our hands very well, Yeah. which was alarming. And it took about a half hour for them to get back to normal after we had taken a shower and kind of relaxed a little bit. And that's obviously not acceptable because-
0: No, especially as it's getting colder and especially as there's like a virus, lethal virus going around. I don't want anything to be- cold and wet and damp and feeling like, oh, this is the environment to get sick in.
1: Right. So if we have an all day rain situation and it's in the low forties, you know, we could very seriously get sick. So we need to gotta get on that. Yeah. We need to contact the company and and figure out like I don't even care I mean certainly we're not gonna return them. And uh, I'll say a nice thing about the rain gear is that it makes people inquire about what we're doing yeah <laughs> which is really cool so they you know yeah i
0: mean they're like full rain suits and they're branded with our logo on the back yeah so yeah,
1: so that's every really time great it's,
0: every time we've worn them um at least recently we're stopped like if we went there was one particular time we went to get a smoothie and both the person making the smoothie and then like some of the other customers that were there before us stopped and wanted to know about our raincoats, And then we were able to tell them why we were wearing such nice rain gear. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, we, we want it to also function. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't
1: necessarily blame the jacket company. I don't think it's no. a failure of whatever's going on there. I, I maybe it's intended to have a, a rain shell worn underneath or something. Hopefully they have some sort of tips for us. Yeah, but,
0: they were nice. When I ordered them, It was it's a company based in Massachusetts called Galton.
1: Yeah.
0: And when I ordered them, I was able to just speak to this woman directly and she was super friendly and easy to talk to. And yeah, yeah I'm sure we'll give them a call and see yeah. what's going on.
1: And then another thing that we need to acquire are gloves. Yeah. And for those that are familiar with how we've been handling our clothing. We have acquisition tiers for clothing based on ethical means. The top one being used in secondhand, and then after that being things that are US made, that, you know, ideally union made, and then non union made, but ethically, and so on and so forth. And we've done some light searching. We're going to need to do some more searching, so we'll see how this goes and ultimately we do a lot for what we consider functional necessity as far as preserving our health so it may come down to that we'll see but presently it seems that for gloves that are made in the united states there are not a lot of options yeah there are a lot of work gloves which is kind of an interesting thing that when you look up u.s made clothing a lot of it is work related yeah and i i wonder why that is if i don't know it would be pure speculation i have no idea but maybe people maybe you can charge more for work gloves because there's business associated with it
0: yeah it also might be because it's like a lot of the work like manual labor work is unionized yeah so they want to support other, it's like, I don't know, unionized stuff and USA made feels like it goes hand in hand. In
1: yeah. I mean, it almost feels like an attitude. It's like, yeah, if we're US and we're going to make clothes, it's going to be clothes that you work with. I don't know. It's so strange. Yeah. But are, are just people, you know, when they think about what they're going to buy for their every day, it, it doesn't feel right to them to spend $50 on a shirt. but a lot of these gloves are $50 for gloves. And, and you think, well, I'm, I'm gonna use these for years. Maybe $50 seems reasonable, you know?
0: Yeah, if it's like part of your uniform or your kit or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's also probably like, yeah, in fashion, fashion, fast fashion yeah. is mostly made in poor conditions outside of the States. So yeah. if you're doing like USA made fashion, I mean it might be about quantities. I don't like it could yeah. be a number of different things. Yeah.
1: But so far the closest things we found are gloves that were designed in the Hudson Valley. Right. Which you read something like that and we need to do we a little more inquiry more. into that, but it feels a lot like with the fa or fashion with the fast food industries when they say, you know, hormone free you, uh, made with the freshest ingredients you know all natural it's like designed in doesn't really mean anything just well, like
0: honestly made in doesn't necessarily or, or well, assembled,
1: assembled in doesn't yeah, mean anything right. either as we've identified that these for those that aren't familiar assembled in the usa just means that there is some component of the product that was put together in the U S but it doesn't necessarily it be mean as
0: simple as one button was sewn on or the tag was sewn on right. in the U S or something like that is enough to, I mean, there's just not, there's not enough regulation on fashion. Yeah. And like that, there's a lot of labor that goes into something that every single person, unless you're a nudist is part of and right. is buying and yeah there's not there's really very little regulation
1: yeah so that will be a project for us in the coming weeks yeah (laughs) it looks like it is going to rain multiple times next week (sighs) however not with the all day rain at least to this point who knows yeah that was suggested last week yeah, if it does rain we, all day, we'll get through it, but it's yeah. not something that we can really waste time on anymore. I
0: think we definitely have to test out our other, I mean, we have five rain outfits each, and we've really only used two of them each. Yeah. So I think we have to test out the other stuff we have too, while we're trying to figure it all out. Yeah. It's kind of a it's a tricky one because it really, now that we're in this and doing it, like, the time is just going to keep going forward. It's just going to keep getting colder. And like when it rains is when we can test it. We really can't test it any other way. So (laughs) if the rainy days are all day rainy days, it's like, that's okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, I hope so. And we have managed to walk the entirety of the boardwalk.
0: We've managed it.
1: Yeah took about an hour and 20 minutes
0: Perfect.
1: between Manhattan Beach to here. Yeah, um, so
0: now we're on the official Coney Island Beach. That's right. As it says on that sign right there. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, the end of the boardwalk is near.
1: Yeah. Nice way to spend a day for anybody looking to get out by the water.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Highly recommend.
1: Highly varlet recommend. (laughs) But maybe, maybe we'll close it a little bit earlier this week than we might normally. Okay. Unless there's anything you can think of that we should uh, talk about.
0: I mean there's plenty more to talk about, but we can just continue on next
2: week.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for watching as always, everyone. If you like this, uh, you know, please do the like button thing. Please share along. We love hearing your feedback, know how we can improve this. And we appreciate you continuing on this journey with us as we explore New York. Next week we'll be in East Brooklyn. That will be our last of the First month worth of Brooklyn. Somehow we're, we're finishing up the Brooklyn borough. This week we're actually a third of the way through our entire project.
2: Whoa! So
1: we have two more thirds to go. Oh my gosh. And then after next week we'll be starting for the first time going over areas we've already gone before, which yeah. shows that we're really making some progress. Yeah. But.
0: Yeah, and after next week we start getting into themes. Yeah. Well, I guess we did one, whatever. We do more themes.
1: Themes on the regular coming up.
0: Yeah, themes on the reg.
1: Themes on the reg as we reach the end. Again, thank you so much. We really appreciate all your support and feedback. And until next time, have a great week. Bye. Bye.